0: Coming up, the gunfight and murder of police detective Michael Lane as told by his partner, retired police sergeant Mike Willis, and Tom Berry from Blue Alert. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guest, We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at TransformationsTreatment.Center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Joining us on the phone from California, we have Mike Willis, retired sergeant from the Whittier, California Police Department. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the show. No problem. It's a pleasure to have you here. You were highly referred by Robert Rangel. He was the author of the books, the Red Dot series, Victim Club books. You're in one of those. Also, your son, Joel Willis, who was a guest on the show, a retired Anaheim police officer, and retired school teacher, been through his own Traumatic deeds. He's like, dude, you got to talk to my father. He's, he's got a, a story to tell. We had a chance to talk a little bit beforehand, uh, prepping for the yeah. show. Uh, before we go into details about what happened, uh, we're going to talk about a, a night in 1979 where you were involved in a shootout where your partner was killed. Uh, I think that's every, it's got to be every cop's nightmare that that would happen. Uh, so we're we'll starting to talk about that. But let's talk a little bit about your law enforcement career from start to finish. Okay. <laughs> It has been a while back. You see, I came back
1: from Vietnam in 1967, and I got out of the Army in 1968, and I started the recruiting process for the city of Whittier in, in 1968. I got hired in the beginning of 1969, and I spent 30 years there. I, I did um, most of the 13 of my 30 years was uh, undercover narcotics, and robbery and burglary surveillance units. Then I worked training officer, I worked background investigator. I did just about every, I was a crime scene investigator for a period of time following the killing of my partner. They kind of took me off the street and decided I needed a break. I'd been through several shootings and they all seemed to come in a batch.
0: Mm And this that's the way it seems to be. It seems like the last one. They're, they're like in clusters.
1: Yes. At least that was I don't was know what me. it was about me. <laughs> I was a <laughs> magnet. And it just seemed like, and then my son steps into the same yeah. and I'm just going,
0: and really? He, he went through a lot of that, too, the, the, the shootings. And, you know, the press loves to make a big deal out of the fact that, well, this officer was involved in a shooting, you know, two years ago and then they they play off the card that we hear so long I spent 20 years in law enforcement only pulling my gun when I was at the range and I used to watch that in these training films and go where did they work I want to be there
1: that wasn't like where <laughs> yeah. I worked yeah I would love to have been in that situation and I knew a lot of guys that were though John there were a lot of guys that were fortunate enough to get through their careers and never had to you know drop the hammer on anybody yeah. and I would have been so much better off if I could have done that.
0: You mean Uh, there's there's no truth to the the rumor that goes around that if an officer shoots someone, they get promoted, they get a toaster oven, and they get paid vacation?
1: uh, No. Uh, It still took me 19 years to make sergeant, so that didn't help me at all.
0: No. (laughs) And there's a a lot of emotional, for lack of better words, and I don't want to get into the whole psychotherapy thing, but there's a, a lot of emotional baggage that goes along with that we've had our conversations and you and i both have said and your son said the same thing i'm damaged goods and then we laugh about it um
1: i've always said that finally i not always but finally i came to the realization that we are just might as well admit it
0: Yeah. And that comes with the territory. And like you said, some officers are fortunate. They never have to use deadly force. They're never put in that position for whatever reason. And uh, God bless them. Uh, That wasn't the case for me. And and it certainly wasn't the case for you. Before we get into the details of what you're going to talk about, I I do want to say a couple things. Number one, thank you for your service in the Whittier, California Police Department. And secondly, this is a big one. And uh, I'll explain why. Thank you for your service in Vietnam. I'm a little bit younger than you. I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia. I grew up in a a Navy family, and I went to school with kids who had fathers who were in uh, prisoners of war for many, many years, and also kids whose dads were MIA. And what I saw these men, how they were treated when they came home, that has left a bad taste in my mouth ever since, and that was decades ago.
1: I can tell you, John, I... I have never forgot the way I was treated, the way the guys that came back with me were. Unfortunately for us, we had to fly into Oakland and then go to the San Francisco airport to try to fly home. And it was just a revolting, just listening to those cowards sit back and talk about anti-war and then they talk up to your back and the frustrating thing was nobody would come to my face and you know get into it with it wait till i walk by and right. then
0: they call me names yeah so they did a lot was, of name calling and i see yeah, a lot of parallels a lot with of it how the media in particular and politicians are doing the same thing now with our law enforcement officers very similar
1: that's what i remember john when i joined the police department it this is, reminds me of the late 60s and 70s when I first joined on. It was anti-government. It was anti-police. It was I mean, it was just, uh, it was a gauntlet. But, you know, I, it was almost to the point where I just got, it was, I almost became defiant. And I said, you don't like me, come to my face and tell me you don't like me. But don't sit behind my back, you coward. And say things about me, and call me these baby killer and Gestapo and all that. You know, I didn't. I didn't ask to go. I was sent. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, those people forget the government, government was back in the draft said days. go, and I went. Yeah, back then a whole lot of guys didn't have a choice in the matter.
1: Yeah, I didn't start that war. Matter of fact, I didn't even want to go to that war. Right. I lost my brother in that war. And I had to come back and listen to these people who have no idea what they're talking about. And and guess what, John? That's who's running this country right now.
0: Absolutely. And they're, they're doing the same or very similar with uh, law enforcement officers and military and first responders. And it quite honestly makes me sick to my stomach for a lot of reasons. And that's part of the reason why we do the law enforcement today show, because we realize that the news media, We've relied as law enforcement officers for far too long on the news media to tell our stories and tell an accurate portrayal of what goes on out there. And they don't. They've let us down time after time. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Mike Willis, retired Whittier, California Police Department sergeant, uh, U.S. Army veteran. And he's got uh, an incredible story to tell you. Don't go anywhere. You listen to law enforcement today. We'll be right back.
2: Epidemic, America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888 991 9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at TransformationsTreatment.Center.
3: Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy, some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars, and they didn't have a gazillion dollars.
4: That's 800-663-5107.
3: There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. (laughs) Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.
0: The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Home Security Advisors. Call 866 866- 334 6387. They're online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Is your home as secure as it should be? If not, call home security advisors 866 334 6387. There's no price you can put on safety and peace of mind for you and your family. Protect your valuables, gain remote access to your home, reduce your homeowner's insurance, and deter criminals high-tech security options for low cost. To get more information, call Home Security Advisors, 866-334-6387, or visit them online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Call 866-334-6387. That's 866-334-6387. 866-334-6387. Online at help dot lock it down com. return to our conversation with mike willis retired whittier california police sergeant mike i've never met you we've talked to the phone part of my appeal i guess i would say uh attraction to you is i was taught as a young policeman primarily by vietnam and korean war veterans that they made up a lot of the Police Department where I worked back in 1980, and they were some of the finest men that I had ever, ever met. And they, they went out of the way to do everything they could to make sure I did the job the best way I could, treat people the best way you can, treat them with respect until they change the tone of the conversation, and go home alive.
1: That was the old adage, go home at night. Do what you needed to do, but make sure you went home at night. Or, when your shift was over, yeah and the old adage you know that uh, you know I'd rather be tried by twelve than carried by six is so true that you need to understand and it's just you survive in that in that world, and you try to do it the best you can and you and you do the best you can, but I think the reality, John, is the fact that all of us. You, me, everybody in this business starts and is picked from the human race, mm-hmm. and we are all have human frailties. We have human uh, things that we do. We have our own personal niches, those kinds of things. And and I did some things in police work. I did some things in Vietnam that I would look back on now and say. Ooh, I wish I hadn't done that. But in the heat of the moment, maybe I did. Uh, but I you know, nothing that was... Nothing that I'd lose my temper and I would say things to people more than anything that I probably should not have said. But I did. And then I had this tremendous chip on my shoulder for some reason about people looking down on me and I couldn't stand it. You know, I just, you know, I would... It would be arrogant or, or disrespectful to me, and I just ew. sometimes I would uh, say thanks to them. Uh, they're lucky I didn't beat them, but I would say <laughs> things verbally. <to>
0: them. <laughs> we weren't allowed to, but I, I'm smiling inside because it, that just sounds like so many people that I met, and we didn't start off that way in the job. I, you you know, know, I started off with the academy being the yes sir, no sir, all squared away. You know, razor sharp <laughs> creases in my in my uniform, and and I don't realize realize that no one. No one would pay attention to you if you talked to them like that. Yeah. You, you, you know, to I, assert yourself.
1: I grew up in a very large family. I had 13 brothers and sisters. And uh, poor as a church mouse. But I grew up a little more aggressive than my son did. Uh, my oldest son. Joel's my oldest of five. And I grew up a little more aggressive than he did. I got in a lot of fights, mainly because of me. And, I, and I'll tell you, the one thing that straightened me out was the Army. And much as I didn't, much as I thought I made that big old mistake going in, it turned out to be one of the better moves I actually made. It pulled me out of that place I did not need to be. And I think it just kind of set me on the right track. So, I had, I have nothing but good things to say about the military. I would not trade it for anything in the world.
0: There's so many people uh, that are in similar situations. That back when I was a kid, there were, and they don't do it anymore, but the judge would say, you've got two choices, the Marine Corps or prison. And, yeah. would, and they would come back and go, man, they, I learned respect, I learned discipline. Same with the Army, same with the Navy, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. uh, especially in Vietnam, it's like, those were your choices a lot of times. Yeah,
1: it was, and it was, Uh, for me i never did anything too bad i went to jail a couple of times but only for fighting and it was like and i always wanted to be a cop so it was like i never wanted to do anything bad enough that it would prevent me from doing what i always wanted to do and i don't know why i never knew any policemen growing up other than the ones that came to talk to me right? (laughs) or, you know, maybe
0: that's where the influence came from when you were, you know, uh, uh, skirting on the wrong side of the law.
1: Yeah. And I always thought about that too. And I think it kind of kept me from doing anything real bad, but the the same thing. I was, I was not a real nice person growing up. You know, I just, I was kind of like this kid with a chip on the shoulder Mm -hmm. and I knew it. And I don't
0: think no. that was that uncommon during that that era and that generation. I, I, I jokingly tell people now, especially that my daughters, you know that that we we were pretty much poor back then, and there was five of us, and growing up in a military family, there was really no money to speak of, and but everyone we knew was in the same boat. No one had name brand stuff. No one had new clothes every year. Everybody did hand me downs, and we fought, and we got along afterwards, and rode our bikes until the sun went down and drank out of garden hoses and you know and in a way it was the best time ever
1: oh yeah i guess my childhood of course was with all my brothers and sisters i grew up on a ranch and i grew up in an area where the schools i went to were a lot of the kids were very well off and i was on the other side of that fence so a lot of the kids I hung with were these kids that were in my same boat. Gotcha. But I always had brothers and sisters, so I always had brothers that followed me and preceded me. I was kinda in the middle and of a group of the of us fourteen children. I was number four. And I had two older brothers and two younger brothers, there was five boys in a row there. And so I was in that middle group of those five brothers. So you had to take care of yourself, but in the same token you had brothers that stuck up for you. And gotcha. You knew what it was like to stick up for your brothers.
0: So, so maybe that was part of the appeal for law enforcement after your time in the US Army, the the, the brotherhood, the camaraderie and being part of a unit.
1: Yeah, that and I, I hated people being picked on. Mm-hmm. And I used to see it in, you know, the bullying and stuff and it was one of those things that I didn't like I, I didn't like people doing that because they did it to me or tried to do it to me and and it was just I didn't like these kids being picked on and so it was, i was always kind of I guess I kind of had it in me that I would you know go that route I'm not sorry I did I'm a pretty old man now I'm I'm pushing 73 and nudging up against it and you know a lot of this stuff that I did in in the military and in law enforcement is in my rear view mirror. Yes. Uh, some of it never leaves my rear view mirror, but it it's always back there.
0: But even after all these years, it's still still part of uh, your your makeup.
1: Yeah, and you know, John, you're you, you think you're you'd outgrow it, but this is one thing, these things you never outgrow. You're you're gonna it's gonna be a little easier to handle, but it's going to always be there
0: and i'm glad you brought that up because there's so many so many people we hear nowadays you know that that suicide kills more officers nowadays acting retired than than line of duty uh deaths and uh, you know i'm by no means a psychologist but when i Try to tell people if you're one of those guys and one of those gals who's struggling, one of the things we were taught early on is no matter how bad the situations you stay in the fight, you you don't give up, you don't quit, you don't surrender, you stay in, and then help is right around the corner. And it does get better. It doesn't leave you totally, but it does get better. Yeah, I think you learn to live with it, too. You know, that's pretty soon you just, I used to
1: try and hide. I used to suffer pretty bad with anxiety attacks and PTSD, I, I guess they had a name for it now that they didn't have back then, but I used to try to hide it, you know, and, and I would not go places, crowded places, and, and I would just, if I got stuck somewhere, I would, uh, crowded elevators, send me up a wall, yeah. and, and I'd just start sweating. And, well, pretty soon I just started saying, hey, I'm damaged goods. Uh, like me or don't like me, it doesn't
0: change the fact that this is me. That's a pretty big <laughs> club. Of, uh we say damaged goods, it's a pretty big club uh, that there's a lot of members on, uh, and I should say, that didn't volunteer. They wouldn't willingly join this club, but they're part of it. And learning how to live with, uh, for lack of better words, the limitations and, and build the yeah. best life possible and enjoy your life. That's the key to this whole thing is learning how to enjoy your life in spite of all this stuff. Yeah, you know what, it's, it's good when I, I'm
1: proud of it when I'm talking to people like you. Otherwise, I try not to talk too much about it. And of course, I've talked a lot to my oldest son. I was fortunate enough that even in the war, and in, I've been shot at but not hit on different occasions. And so I've been really, I think God back there uh, watching over me for some reason or another... I lose a brother in the war and I lose a partner on the police department. But for some reason, I always think, does he got a plan for me or what? We're going to talk about that
0: in just a moment. We're going to take a break. We're talking about Mike Willis, retired Whittier, California police sergeant. (laughs) This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Got a lot of great stuff in your way. Don't go anywhere.
5: rates based on a age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25, policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee Rates and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low and at the end they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates of Available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000
4: or more from the Term Lifeline. Call now. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. That's 800-663-5107.
0: The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly, we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for law enforcement today radio show in addition we have our main page which is law enforcement today so do a search on facebook for law enforcement today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well honored to have as a guest mike willis mike uh, is a retired whittier california police sergeant Uh, his son joel is a retired anaheim california police officer uh, he was. Uh, it turns. Out I don't know anything about California. Very little. Look at the map. Whittier is not far from where he first started in Downey. Correct.
1: Yeah. Joel started in Downey. Ended in Anaheim.
0: Gotcha. And you did your entire stretch in Whittier. I did my entire stretch with Whittier. Yeah. I did
1: 30 years with him.
0: That's a that's that's a long long time. Uh, and I would imagine <laughs> that, you know, working undercover, working narcotics. I did narcotics for investigation for a while too and uh, that is a particularly tasking, draining line of police work because it's the threat is always there. Even if you don't wind up getting shot at, the threat is always there. <laughs>
1: But you know something, John? It was like, it was exciting. It was like, uh, you know, you ride those, we used to call them e-ticket rides, uh, referring to those rides that Disneyland put on, the big exciting ones, you know. Uh The roller coasters. You wouldn't get on those things if they didn't scare the out of
0: you. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: And that's kind of the same thing. It wouldn't have been the same, but... God, I love that job. Uh, if I didn't have those kids and I would have done that for nothing, I love that
0: business. <laughs> you know, great, wasn't it? The, the address <laughs> I loved was, it. was nonstop at times. I, I tell people, I say, what is it really like? I said, well, there were times where you went from absolute, the most desperate boredom you could imagine to being yeah. in a fight for your life and it all over 10 seconds.
1: Oh my God, yes. And I can't tell you how many times you do that. And you know, that's why they say policemen live in that color orange, not red and not green, but you're in that stress level orange all the time because you don't know when it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's like right now, boom, you're gone. And you better be ready for it. So it's
0: and or you, you won't went, survive it. You went through that. And, you know, I, I appreciate you coming to talk about this. I'm very fortunate. Um, I, I never never lost uh, a brother that I worked with. I had one as a very good friend of mine who was in my squad when I was a sergeant. I transferred to another district and he was killed a year or so later. And I, I yeah. dealt with guilt about that for a very, very long time. But back in uh, December 1979, you were working with detective michael lane uh he was killed thursday december 13th 1979 and it's a great video you turned me on to on youtube and what's that called
1: uh it's uh the murder of detective mike lane Uh, it's under uh whittier uh uh, forgotten memories of whittier or something it's done for the uh, I call it the Hysterical society, but <laughs> yeah. the historical society. It was done for them to record the history of Whittier.
0: That was and, uh, very well done. I tell people they should look at it. It it it, it portrays you. It portrays uh, another guy lieutenant I forgot his name, and of course Mike Lane uh, dispatchers at work. Dave uh, Butler was the other guy. Yeah, and uh, so I appreciate you going to talk about this. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this: only go in the details you want. Um, because a lot of times people that have been through, whether it be law enforcement officers, victims of crime or violence, they don't like going into a lot of details. So uh, start us off where you want and we'll see where the conversation goes.
1: We were, uh, my partner Mike Lane and I were, we had worked this robbery and burglary surveillance team together and we had done a lot of undercover operations, a lot of narcotic buys, uh, we we surveilled robbery and burglary suspects. I mean, we did all of that stuff. Sat in banks while they robbed tellers, sat next to them in stores when they were robbing people, those kinds of things. And so we got a pretty good reputation. And a day or so before this incident, uh, one of the auto theft detectives called us, and he had a victim who had been held a gunpoint and he was a biker this incident involved three different biker organizations and and i always said and i always taught to the kids in the academy that you do not get to pick and choose your victims you may one day end up with a victim and you will one day end up with a victim who loses a big a- the people who are victimizing
0: it. absolutely they, they turn your but, stomach but you got to do your job
1: you have to do your job and and you have you have to protect them like you did somebody else, so you have to investigate what's going on with them well, this guy uh had his house broken into and they stole a bunch of guns from him and he was he was the president of this Cossack motorcycle gang, and I think he was the president because he's the only member uh he was he was about I always say he was, he had the mental capacity of a soil sample, yeah. but he was a victim. And he, he ended up, he got a call from uh, this guy named Rocky and Harvey. I'm sorry, Rocky and Andrew. Okay. Andrew is the survivor of the one that lives through this thing. Anyway, he just got out of prison. But to go back, he, they uh, called him up and they told him he could have his guns packed. Just come on down to this clubhouse and they would well being the intelligent individual he is, he he puts his in those days they called him his old lady. His his girlfriend, his wife, but the bikers
0: always referred to them as my old lady. Yeah, my my <laughs> wife when I rode motorcycles, if I said that to her, she'd knock me in the next week. Yeah, well bikers <laughs> There's
1: no that. way <laughs> yeah. my old lady. Yeah. yeah. That would that would go over big with my wife. Oh, no, Not happening. And then <laughs> Yeah, and anyway, they roll over there, and the next thing, they put a gun to his head, and they steal his motorcycle and take his colors. And they kind of kick him and his woman in the butt, and they send them on their way. Well, he comes down, he files a report, and next thing you know, they're calling him back, and they want to sell him his motorcycle back for $500. Well, now this auto theft detective calls Mike and I in, and they want to set up this bike, because we do that all the time. And we want to buy a bike back, but we're not going to buy it back. We're going to get the bike at one location, and then we're going to take everybody down. There you go. So we got flash money to show. And anyway, this guy has no ride anymore. So, Mike, it's his turn. And we, we took turns doing undercover. We'd be the UC, the undercover operator. And that was the funnest part of it. So we didn't want to lose our turn doing that. Well, I had just made a, a buy, a narcotic buy. Maybe a week or two before that. So, Mike wanted to be the UC on this one. So, he was going to be the money man and he was going to be the driver because this guy, the victim, had no car anymore. They took his motorcycle. So, anyway, they meet, then they get a call and they want to meet at this bar in Whittier, kind of a biker hangout bar. And so, we're following him. We got it all set up. I've wired Mike for sound and and I remember the last thing I told him when we went into this thing is I and there's too many too many ifs about it. We knew everybody was armed. We knew there were guns involved. We knew this was not going to be pretty when we started it. So we were trying to make it as safe as possible if you can ever make it as safe as possible.
0: And the really reality is you can try and you can plan for every mm-hmm possible scenario and then something happens that you don't expect and you can't its Uh,
1: under control that was just it boy it got out of control well we but we followed him over there he parked across from the bar and uh he sent he the the he sent the victim into the bar he had five hundred dollars on him mike kept the five hundred dollars in the in the car he was in And we sat right across from him. We were real close to him. Dave Butler and I were, and I was riding the passenger, and I was monitoring the wire and and watching my partner across the street there. And and this thing goes on for a period of time, and they're back and forth. They want the money brought into the bar. Of course, we know better than that. So the plan is, is that when the bike shows up in front of the bar, they were to send a guy across the street to see the money.
0: We're going to pause here, Mike. we are got to take a short break. Okay. you listen to Law Enforcement today. Uh, the rest of the story with Mike Willis heading your way in just a few, don't go anywhere. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformation's Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformation's Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformation's Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists, helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center, call 888-991-9725. That's 888 991 Nine seven two five online at transformations dot center.
6: Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine, going nowhere, and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron LeGrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677 and get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full time income on a part time basis without risk, largely tax free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800 956 0677. 800 956 0677. Again, 800 956 0677. That's 800 956 0677.
0: The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. In every community across the United States, towns, cities, states, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. We made it so easy to get a hold of us, too. There's many different ways. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. The Contact Us page of the webpage. Download our free app on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can contact us through the free app. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter. Instagram. Heck, send me an email. My email address is J, that's J A Y at law enforcement today.com. You see, we'd love to hear your story. And we know we hear so often I have a story to tell, but no one will give me a platform. Law enforcement today is your platform. We are back to the conversation with Mike Willis, retired Whittier, California police sergeant. And we're talking about the night that his partner, Detective Mike, Michael Lee Lane, December 13th, 1979, was killed in line of duty. You guys were undercover. You, you set up, I don't want to say it, uh, you're, you're trying to get the people who stole this man's motorcycle. You had money. You guys were in a position doing overwatch, for lack of better words. And Yeah, we were doing a it, buyback. It, it's doing a buyback, and then you're going to arrest the guys, and everybody goes home and enjoys a cold beer. But we that's won't. not what happened. No
1: we were sitting across the street and I'm monitoring the wire and these guys are coming out of the bar. Mike refuses to take the money into the bar, which was a good move. And then I'm, I'm sitting there listening to the wire and I'm looking across the street. And all of a sudden I, I look down at, at the floorboard of the car in front of me. I don't know. I just looked away for a second. And the next thing I hear Mike telling this victim, Hey, go meet him in the street. They're both coming out here. And I thought, Soon as I heard that, I looked up and there were two guys. These two guys, these two bikers, were crossing the street towards Mike from the bar, and and I knew we were in trouble. I I I knew it was it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna end good. And so I took off and I yelled to Dave Butler, the guy who was driving my car, call him in. In many words, we had units. We had eight different uh, units within a. a half a block or quarter of a block of this scene. We had it all locked down, we thought. I said, call him in, and I took off to go help my partner. And uh, and as I entered the lot where Mike was, Rocky was at the driver's door of where Mike was, and Andrew was at the right or at the left front quarter panel, right, standing right next to Rocky. And they both had their backs to me. And as I couldn't hear what was being said, but as I got into the lot, I had my gun in one hand and my badge in another. And, of course, I was undercover. I had a big beard and long hair and all that, so I needed to have my badge to identify myself. And as I got into the lot, I, I, for some reason, they split up. And Andrew started heading around to the front of the truck. And I thought, oh, he's trying to get... Uh, flank mic on the passenger side. I didn't even think about what was really what was on his mind. I was just trying to interpret what he why he was why they were splitting them up. I had them both in one spot. I got to take I got to take Andrew. So I got in and I got to about six feet behind him and I yelled, "Police officer!" and I had the gun up and he turned around. And he didn't even hesitate. When he turned around, I saw the gun come around. I never saw the gun before that moment, because they always had the backs to me. And he had a forty four And when he came around with it, I remember seeing the gun and his hand and nothing else. It was like this vision went to tunnel vision. I saw the hand and the gun. And I watched. He didn't even hesitate. He turned, and he was... He was actually already squeezing the trigger when he came around. I watched his finger squeeze that trigger, and I thought, and I started shooting as fast as I could, and I'm watching my rounds impact him, but his gun never went off, and as we moved around the passenger side of the car, he finally went face down right near the right rear quarter pound, right rear wheel of the of the car. And then I'm not hearing anything. I, I, my gun I, I was used to it now because I'd been through some shootings, but when you fire a gun in an actual shooting, it is nothing like firing on the range. It almost feels like there's something wrong. It 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 kinda of, is kind of wimpy. It just kinda of goes pop, pop, pop. You know, you don't sound like it's not firing. And you know, you're hearing your your senses are all messed up, right? At this time, and then I, I see him go down, and I knew I was hitting him because I could see the rounds strike him. I, I could see his jacket; it, it would puff, and then his body would shudder. Uh, and I, and he kept that gun pointed at me, but he did, No, no rounds came out. And I remember I was shooting as fast, and I shot four or five rounds as he went around the truck, and every round was hitting him, and then he went down, and I thought, okay, he's, I know I've hit him a lot of times, but then I look over, and Rocky ended up inside the truck on top of Mike, uh, was screaming, and he was yelling, go for it, go for it, he was screaming at Mike, and Mike's trying to kick him off, and I went over to the, Windshield the windshield of the truck, and I remember I fired four rounds because I knew it was four rounds because there was four holes in the windshield where I fired through into Rocky who was on top of Mike. And then in the middle of all that, I see Mike's knee come up like he's trying to kick him off, and I and I don't know, you know, I didn't know whether I hit him. I stopped real quick, but I you know I was already sending rounds, and I stopped real quick, and I thought, oh. And I hope I didn't hit it, Mike. You know, mm-hmm. I gotta. How am I gonna handle that? You know, and 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 all these thoughts are going through my mind in multi, um, uh, you know, fractions of seconds.
0: Yeah, milliseconds.
1: And then, and yeah, milliseconds. And then I look up and I see Andrew. He's up again, and he has both hands on the gun. And I remember I'm looking at him through the—he's at the back of the car. I'm at the front of the car. I'm looking at him through the windshield, and his muzzle just explodes. I mean, I see a muzzle flash come out that's got to be four or five feet long. It was at night. This was in uh, 8, 9 o'clock at night. It was a cold Thursday, December 13th, and it was a cold night, and everybody's wearing jackets and stuff and i see this muzzle flash come through and i remember i got down in front of the truck real quick but of course it had already happened and i didn't even think about it. i never felt an impact and i and i but i should have felt an impact i thought about it later I, why didn't i feel an impact and i started looking for holes in I had a vest on, but I I started looking for holes in me later on. But then I remember getting down, and I remember I could hear gunshots. And there was a lot of gunshots. And I'm down in front of the truck, and I can't see anything. And, boy, the fear just gripped me. I mean, I just, uh, I had a, you know, they say you think about your family and all Mm -hmm. that. Well, I had a, a, Uh, My youngest son was uh, 13 days old, and I'm I'm in the front of the truck, and, and, you know, to be honest, I never thought anything about any of them. I thought about living through this hell, and I remember thinking, this is not a game. If you lose, you don't go home, Uh, that kind of stuff. And I just remember, if I lose, I die.
0: And what's amazing about this is you're a combat veteran. You weren't a rookie police. You've been through violence before, and uh, this was uh, absolutely horrific. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we're talking Mike Willis, retired Whittier, California police sergeant. We're talking about the night that his partner, Detective Mike Lane, was killed in the line of duty. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs>
7: We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and
4: start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-948-6817. 800 948 6817 800 948 6817 That's 800 948 6817
0: We are back. This is Law Enforcement Today. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Home Security Advisors. Call 866 866- 334 6387. They're online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Is your home as secure as it should be? If not, call home security advisors 866 334 6387. There's no price you can put on safety and peace of mind for you and your family. Protect your valuables, gain remote access to your home, reduce your homeowner's insurance, and deter criminals high-tech security options for low-cost. To get more information, call Home Security Advisors, 866-334-6387, or visit them online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Call 866-334-6387. That's 866-334-6387. 866-334-6387. Online at help. Dot lock it down today.com. Back to the law enforcement today show where guest Mike Willis, retired Whittier, California police sergeant, to talk about uh, night of December, I believe, 13th, 1979. You're talking about being in the front of this car in a horrific firefight. Uh, you're a combat veteran. You were in Vietnam. You, this isn't your first dose of absolute traumatic violence as a police officer. And what's going through your head? Well, I'm, I'm, I
1: remember being just really, really scared. I mean, I was. There were times in Vietnam when I was scared, but Vietnam was business. I mean, it was like you were. I. I don't know. I've never been even in Vietnam was I ever quite this scared? And then I don't know what happened. Is some clicked and and I went from fear to rage. Uh, all of a sudden, I. I didn't give it no more, mm-hmm. and now it became. I'm going to kill you. You're trying to kill me. I am going to kill you. I'm coming after you. And I remember, yeah, um, you know, it's all of a sudden. I'm like outside my body. I'm I'm watching myself. It was the weirdest thing, and I'm watching myself be this vicious individual. And all I all I was going to do is. Uh, as I was going back, he, he, after he fired, he took off running. When I sat up, I saw him running towards the building away from me. And I remember thinking, stand and fight, you know. And I, I moved to one side of the truck, and I fired several more rounds at him. And then I look over, and, and Rocky is backing out of the truck for Mike. He's still standing. And so I turn on him, and I fired some more rounds in him, and then I go to slide Lot. So I fired 15 rounds because that's what I had in the gun. When I started, I carried a 9mm, carried 14 in the magazine and one in the tube. And they were all gone. And I remember thinking, and this guy now, he's he went up by the building, Andrew, and Rocky, and I think, i got to get some more ammo. Well, I was an undercover cop. I I carried my ammo in an shake case in the trunk of my car, for Pete's sake. And so I. Yeah, I had you can't to get carry it on a belt. Car. It's
0: not like you, you've got a uniform on, right?
1: Yeah, it's not like you got anywhere to carry the thing, you know? So I, I was going to head over, and I remember screaming at this guy, and I told him, I'm coming back, and I was screaming. I'm coming for you, but I had to go to the car to get ammo first. And I started to head across an opening. There was an open lot to get back to my car. And I remember thinking, i got to negotiate this lot, this open area, without getting shot. And I started to go across, and I looked down, and, and Rocky was laying on his back, face up, and at the feet of Dave Butler, who was the other officer with me out there. And I had forgotten all about him. He was never a part of my life. Well, it turns out when I all the shooting I was hearing was was Dave trying to keep him off of me, right? And so
0: more than sensory deprivation—you just don't, you don't, you're not aware of everything that's going on.
1: Oh no! You, you, I mean, you're thinking about living. There's no, there's no. Where's Dave? Or where's this? They're they're trying to kill me, and I have to take care. I I can't let them kill me. And so as I started head across the lot, he starts. Andrew, who's back in the corner, starts yelling, I'm hit, I'm hit, I give up, I give up. And he comes out with his hands up. And I remember just being so frustrated. And I took him to the ground, and I hooked him up, and then I went back to the truck, and I looked in the truck. And Mike was up against the passenger door now his one foot was on I remember his one foot was on the seat one foot was on the floorboard but he had turned and he was facing out the driver's door and he had a I could see a bullet hole right above his right eye and he was like in a really deep sleep he was snoring not snoring but breathing real loud like he and and I'd never seen that before and and I remember I went around, opened the door, and he kind of fell out on top of me, uh, and I held him up. And uh, then I saw units started showing up, all these, you know, all the backups. And we had fired, uh, the, the amazing thing about it, we timed it. We had fired uh, 27 rounds, and all of that I talked about, it lasted, they estimated, between 10 and 12 seconds,
0: and the shooting was over. It's an incredibly short and, period of time for so much uh, violence to happen. So,
1: and that's one thing I, I remember the, the chief talking and saying, "How could so much happen to so many people in such a short span of, of time?" And yeah. I remember thinking that. But you know, I wouldn't. I, I would. You know, the hard, One of the hardest things for me to handle was uh, uh, he was my partner. Right. And my job was to protect him. And I didn't do it. I, 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 he died. I, and I remember the guilt that I was supposed to save his life, and I didn't do it. And that's the one thing I took away from this thing for so many years was, I mean, he was my partner. I was supposed to save his life, and I didn't do it. And and those that guilt complex was a hard thing to to survivor's guilt was
0: hard to handle. And there's nothing um, anybody can say that, that makes it go away or makes it better. It just, it, it, it's, and, and it's a burden that, that people carry by themselves. And unfortunately their family members see, you know see it as well. But yeah. it's one of the things that I, I don't know that there's a, a, that there's a quick, easy fix for it. There, I know there isn't one.
1: I got a question for you, John. Here's a, um, when you were in your shootings, were you married? Yes. Did you have children? I did. Did you think about, and this really crossed my mind, how do I tell
0: my wife? I did, and you know what? Before the advent of uh, you know, cell phones and all that stuff, you know, you, you, you work and you call your wife and you get off work say so you need mm-hmm. formula or diapers or anything on the way home, and uh, one of my last shootings was right before I got off work, and it was a horrific one. And it was all over the news, and we had the command vehicle there, and they had the the early predecessors of these cell phones. And I, the one thing I asked them was, please let me call my wife and let her know that I'm okay. That you know that because I know it's gonna be all over the yeah. news. And I, and I was. I, I was afraid she would get really angry at me if I didn't tell her. If she saw that on the news and was like, <laughs> you didn't let me know you're all right? You know, and uh, yeah. the old lady thing, she would have killed me. You know? But uh, a big yep. part of it was fear also. And I don't know that I've ever figured out how to have that conversation. We've had guests on that have talked with their spouses beforehand that what what it's like, what if the worst happens, what do you do? And I quite honestly don't have the answers. Mike, we got more to talk about, so we're gonna take a short break. Listen Law Enforcement Today, we'll be right back. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformation's Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformation's Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformation's Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists, helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888 991 9725 online at TransformationsTreatment.Center.
5: Rates based on a man age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee. Rates and underwriting criteria. Subject change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with the rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you some But we do promise to get you the best rates available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the Term
4: Lifeline. Call now. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. That's 800-957-6068. That's 800-663-5107.
6: Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine, going nowhere, and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677. get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 956 677 Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677.
0: Back to the Law Enforcement Today Show with our guest Mike Willis, retired Whittier, California police sergeant, talking about the night that his partner, Detective Mike Lane, was killed on line of duty. You shed a lot of light on a lot of things about the incident itself, and that's tremendously hard to talk about. And then he started talking about survivor's guilt. That was my job to take care of him, and how difficult that must have been to deal with. How did you come to terms with that, or have you?
1: Well, I have come to terms with it. It took me a lot of years to realize it. Mike never got out of the car. He stayed in. It was actually a small truck. He stayed in the truck, but he never got out while these guys were approaching. And he never, he never helped me help him. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I got through, Mike, you could have made it a little easier on me. You could have at least been out and gave me a fighting chance for it. You know, I expected him and I left him with Rocky and I and I was hoping that he could handle Rocky. But from inside the truck, there was there was a, a, a little he he, Mike had a little sawed off shotgun. We used to carry into banks with us in case something went wrong while we were watching one of these robberies go down or it ended up being a bank takeover. We had this small cut-down shotgun that we used to carry under our coat in case something went haywire in there. So he carried that, and he never used. He there was a struggle, and they blew, and and uh, he blew the back of the truck window out, and but that was it. I mean, he he let him get in on top of him, and I remember hearing the body wire, and the body wire still up, and and there I had listened to it afterward. Uh, several years later, I wasn't going to listen to it. Uh, you know, those were uh, hard for me to handle those days. And yeah. he he says just before the thing, he says he's got a gun and he's telling us over the body wire. So we had enough sense. He's one of the smartest cops I ever met. This guy, Mike. Mike was he was a methodical thinker. I was the bull in the china shop. Uh-huh. And we complimented each other. I pushed him forward, he held me back when they needed to be. And you know, those were Mike was a great was a great cop. I thought he was he he could he could think his way through stuff and and uh, yeah, me it was just uh you know, go forward.
0: <laughs> yeah, charge.
1: <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. Yeah. All this dealing with this over the years, I got, you know, I kind of said, Mike, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you help me save your life? You know, why why did you make it so hard on me? And, You know, but that was the hardest thing. And then over the years, I kind of, kind of in my mind, pushed it that way. I... You know, Mike should have helped me. He, he should have gave me some chance of saving his life. You know, in this thing.
0: Ultimately, and, it's one but, of those deals where everybody does the best they can, and there's no. There's, yeah, exactly. I don't care how much you train for everything. You can't train yeah. for everything, and stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Always, you know what? You can count on it, but you don't know what to count right. on. And and the sad reality <laughs> is is that some scumbag loser with 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 absolutely he's done nothing in his life ever. Mm -hmm. There's one who can take you out. And quite often they do.
1: Absolutely. You know, this gang mentality, you know, these guys are real tough until they're by themselves. Oh, yeah. They have no spinal cord. They want to look mean and nasty because behind that facade, there's a spine of jelly. And it's just they they go in numbers.
0: And a lot of that's designed uh, with a single purpose of keeping people away, keeping threats away. Exactly. You, this goes to the part of the conversation that we talked about early in our interview about being damaged goods. Is this part of why you consider yourself? Is this part of what got you to that damaged goods state?
1: Yes. Well, it was that, and the fact that I was dealing with this thing every day, and it was. And I, I remember I went into the VA here several years back because uh, I, when I got out of the army. You know, I dumped my uniform. I, st- you know, I, uh, you weren't very well thought of. So right. I just kind of, most of us did the same thing. We just kind of hid in the shadows and, and I didn't even go to the VA. So finally I went to the VA here in Long Beach and uh, they diagnosed me with this PTSD. But in all fairness, I'm not sure whether it came from the war or whether it came from police work, yeah. you know? And so I couldn't have the VA paying, you know, they were I couldn't have them paying you know, for something that may have happened on the police department. You know, I just... There's a lot of kids coming back from war right now that need that a whole lot worse than I do. Yeah. You know, mine's mental, and I'll get over my mental but those kids are... Some of these kids, it's like, reminds me of the guys I used to see in Vietnam that were just you know...
0: Would uh, you say uh, that I'm, if someone were to ask you what do you think was harder on you mentally and physically? Was it 30 years of police work, or was it your tours in Vietnam? Uh,
1: probably the hardest thing on me ever was the night of December 13th, 1979. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that being any worse, other than, you know, getting actually hit. Yeah, you know, I ended up, I never got hit. The round he fired at me from the back of the truck to the front. It hit the lip of the steering wheel, if you can believe, and and never made it through. How that, I mean, how lucky can you get?
0: Yeah, I don't or, I don't know if that, that Luck describes it. it. He couldn't have done that shot if he planned on it.
1: Oh, no. He hit the steering wheel. He hit the lip of the steering wheel, and it, and it ended up on the floorboard of the truck. A big hunk of lead sitting on the floorboard of the truck. It never got through to me. And I and I remember thinking, my goodness, what somebody's look God's looking after me. Absolutely, you know, somebody's had to take care of me out there. I was having trouble
0: taking care of myself. And then your your son, one of your sons, becomes a police officer. And uh, early on, as I said in the interview, the guys and, and the women who taught me as a young patrolman in 1980, a lot of them were Vietnam vets and we had still quite a few korean war veterans uh and they were instrumental in shaping me as a police officer so if you were to talk you to a how, young officer now what would you say to them uh, boy uh,
1: john to be truthful i'll say why do you want to do this job yeah the way it is now i'm sure glad there are kids that want to do this job but I never told them that. I said, God bless them that they want to do it. But I, and I always tell them nobody talked to me before I went through these things. Afterward, I talked to guys that had been through it, and they start telling me things that I experienced. So the best thing I could do for these kids is prepare them. And I used to tell them it's a storm. You're in the middle of a storm, and you'll, things will happen to you. You'll slow, everything will slow down. And you'll see tunnel vision, and be prepared for that. You know, uh, you will react the way you train. You will not think about it. You will be a reactive process. And I tell them, you're just so when you train, guys train right, because when it happens, there's not going to be no training. There's to be no thought process. You're going to react if you if you dump a magazine. You'll catch it in your hand if that's what you do. Right. In the middle of a shooting, you'll catch that magazine. You will not let it hit the ground like you should. And you'll do everything. They'll find you dead with your magazine in your back pocket if you so choose to go that way.
0: So there goes the because lesson. You, do what you have to do to stay alive. I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by 6. And Exactly. Mike Willis, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about a very, very difficult subject. Very much appreciated thank you john we're going to take a short break then we've got another great guest heading your way in just a few moments this is law enforcement today
2: epidemic america's public health crisis these are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the united states countless lives are lost and heartbroken families are too many to count Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888 991 9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformation's Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformation's Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. And online at transformationstreatment.center.
5: Rates based on a man age 42 with no tobacco use of any form for 20 years. Policy number 25, policy underwritten by various life insurance companies. Premium includes a $50 policy fee rate and underwriting criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states. You've heard those term life insurance ads with their rates read very low. And at the end, they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the term lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate hoping you'll call. Then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates available available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or
4: more from the Term Lifeline. Call now. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. That's 800-957-6068.
0: When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Calling us from Florida, we have Tom Berry from the National blue alert system. Tom, how are you today? All right. How are you doing, Jay? Very good. I'm actually on your website right now, bluealert.us. That's blue, the color blue, alert.us. You've heard of amber alerts. You may have heard of silver alerts. Blue alert is something similar. Am I on the right track here, Tom?
7: Absolutely. You are correct.
0: What is the blue alert?
7: A blue alert is a system that speeds the apprehension of Violent criminals who kill or seriously injure a police officer in the line of duty.
6: It's, is this
0: national law? Is it every state or is it only in certain states right now?
1: Well,
7: each state has to pass their own law, which is 31 right now. But we did pass a national law where they can use a unified alert system, um, the EAS system, which is the emergency alert system. Like the amber alert system that comes to your phone, the blue alert will come to your phone by May of 2019, will come to your television set and radio station by December 14th of this year.
0: And about how many states is it in and fully functional right now? 31. Man, that's a lot of progress. So I imagine what would happen is, let's say, God forbid, you have an officer shot in Maryland. If they're part of the Blue Alert system, that'll be put on everybody's phone, the description of the car, the suspect, whoever's wanted for it, whatever information you have is going to be broadcast across the United States simultaneously. Am I on the right track?
7: You are, and Maryland is a Blue Alert state.
0: That's good. Can people get more details about if their state's not involved, what they can do to help? Well, we're
7: working on that right now with the Justice Department. Uh, We just talked to the new director of the COPS office, Phil Keith. And he is having his whole crew calling each of the other 19 states to get them on board. Um, Some of them were giving um, an excuse that it would cost money and everything. Well, that's not an excuse anymore since the SEC did pass to to allow states to use the EAS system. There's no cost involved anymore. We just need them to pass a law so they have peace in the law when an officer is killed or seriously injured in the line of duty,
0: and they can use the system. And you know, and this I would think would help save lives across the United States when you have a fleeing, very violent fugitive that's killed an officer or severely injured an officer, other officers' lives are at stake and, and civilians' lives as well, if you should have to run into that person somewhere unexpectedly. So this information is crucial to get it out. If you see that car going down the road, you can pick the phone call nine one one and say, Hey, I saw a guy that came across on blue alert, just drove by me.
7: That's correct. And that was the main reason. It's not that we are saying this is a special alert to law enforcement officers and that other people's lives don't care. It They do. And yes, we do want to catch a person who did kill or seriously injure an officer. The issue is, if you are willing to kill a police officer, if a civilian gets in your way, you already know you messed up. And so you're going to be collateral damage as a, as a civilian. And that happened in Las Vegas when two officers were killed in a pizza just normal, just having a normal lunch. That went across
0: the street to a kill a civilian. Yeah, it does happen. And uh, when they don't value the lives of our first responders, they certainly don't value the lives of anybody else. People get more details about uh, Blue Alert, and, and there's a host of things you do, which we'll go into a little bit later on, online at bluealert.us, that's the color blue, B-L-U-E, alert.us. I wanna talk a little bit about what has motivated you to do this. You're not from a civilian law enforcement background, correct? That is correct. Um, From a United States
7: Army MP and communications specialist.
0: Well, thank you for your service to the country. It's greatly appreciated. As a military MP, uh, there's a lot of crossover I would imagine I've never did the job as a military MP, but as a civilian law enforcement officer, I could see that there's a lot of crossover and similar responsibilities.
7: That is correct. In the beginning, when I started in 1974, uh, you would sit there in the front gates and guard and check IDs of, of, any civilian or military personnel coming in and out of the post, either stateside or overseas. I was in Europe, I was in Asia. So it was one of those things that, you know, it was part of you patrol the streets, you go to the clubs downtown, and if they are unruly, you arrest them and you bring it back to base. And then you, the uh, provost marshal or the officer on duty will make you the deciding factor if they just take them back to their barracks or uh, we keep them in the holding cell until the next morning and then get all their company commander and whatever the company commander deems, unless it's assault or something like that, then the CID will get involved. And that's the way that part worked. And then later on in life, when we started having terrorist attacks and everything else, going overseas to Desert Storm, which was first Desert Shield, the job kind of changed. You know, you're, you're more of a soldier than an MP. You do uh, set up escorts on convoys and stuff like that, and you, you do what you're told by your commander in, in charge. And that's what was going on there. That's where I was at the Storm in 91.
0: And that's more of a uh, combat role, not just an on-base role.
7: Oh, absolutely. It, it, it The whole dynamics changed. I mean, it's more, you know, keep your head on a swivel and watch everything that's going on as you're marching, you know, literally marching north or riding in your Humvees. And that's when Humvees were just starting coming out and everything. And I was shotgunned in the Humvee as we were going towards Baghdad
0: must have been a crazy, frightening time.
7: It was because um, when this when it started on January seventeenth of ninety one, we were heading north, and we left Kuwait City, and we were heading north, and on the eighteenth, then so we started heading north again, and it wasn't five clicks before we took on uh, fire. And I took 13 rounds on my right side. 13 uh, in my face. rounds? Thir- 13 rounds. Uh, hit my eye, hit my neck, hit my teeth, blew out all my teeth. Hit my shoulder, hit my abdomen, hit my waist. That's when I started going through the um, the panels of the, of the Humvee, hit my ankle. Got two rounds in there. They were all 5-5-6 five, uh, five, five, rounds. And I was... I didn't remember anything. I mean, after the first one hit, I was I was gone. I mean, I was just like, nothing is, is uh, I can recall anything. I was told I was flown out to the hospital ship, Comfort. And we were out there in the Persian Gulf for two two days until they got me all um, stable. They flew me into Riyadh, Riyadh to Landstuhl. Landstuhl, I stayed there for four months while they did reconstructive surgery on my jaw took out the other rounds, reconstructed my shoulder. And after I was able to fly back stateside, I went to Walter Reed where I did my rehabilitation. And they wanted to release me. I only had like three and a half years left. They wanted to give me 75% and release me. And I was able to walk. I was able to do everything like I should be able to do. And I called a, I had my father actually called a general that I used to drive for, Gerald Charles Myers, Uh, who retired up in Connecticut and he came down and he was so sorry that this happened to me. And he said, what can I do for you? And I said, listen, three and a half years, I don't want to go out at 75%. There's got to be something I can do. And he said, well, I'll see what I can do for you. The next day he comes in, he uh, found me a job at the Pentagon to work in procurement. And that's where I lived for the rest of my career right there for the three and a half years and and was stationed at Fort Billboard. I finish
0: it up. That's such an amazing story for, for two reasons. Number one, I, I've met you, Tom, uh, and, and no one would know that you had been through this uh, unless you told them. There's no outward signs. I'm sure there, there are scars underneath shirts and all that stuff, but there's nothing in the outward that would reveal any of that. And your personality doesn't show that whatsoever. The other part about it amazes me is that you were determined to continue to serve your country, which in and of itself is absolutely outstanding. And when your military career is over, you continue on a service with National Blue Alert. We're going to talk more about that in just a few moments. Folks, you're listening to Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere.
4: Tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-663-5107. 800-663-5107. 663 5107 That's 800-663-5107.
6: Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine going nowhere and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800-956-0677 and get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677.
0: The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Home Security Advisors. Call 866-334-6387. They're online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Is your home as secure as it should be? If not, call Home Security Advisors, 866-334-6387. There's no price you can put on safety and peace of mind for you and your family protect your valuables, gain remote access to your home, reduce your homeowner's insurance, and deter criminals. High-tech security options for low cost. To get more information, call Home Security Advisors, 866-334-6387, or visit them online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Call 866-334-6387. That's 866-334-6387. 866-334-6387. Online at help.lockitdowntoday.com. Back to the conversation with Tom Berry from the National Blue Alert Foundation. And uh, Tom is just talking about his... National Blue Alert System online at bluealert.us. That's the color Blue us Tom was just talking about his military career, and uh, I'm just amazed that you continue to give back to not just your country, your community, your, the cities, states, and barely people you barely even know through all the different works that Blue Alert System does, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. I want to recap: What is a Blue Alert System?
7: It's an alert system similar to the Amber Alert system. It helps us to speed the apprehension of a violent criminal who has seriously injured or killed a law enforcement officer in the line of duty.
0: And it's operational in, what did you say, is it 31 states right now? 31 states. And you get a listing of all those online at bluealert.us. And there's a host of other things to do. I'm, I'm looking at your website right now. And you also do a lot of charitable work. You're a 501c3 public charity helping families of fallen law enforcement officers. I noticed you've been donating vests to canine 9 dollars. Tell us a little bit about that part.
7: Well, we started it when we were actually called by a agency in Bonnell, Florida, which is in Flagler County, and said, "Well, we hear you know you're a 501c3. Do you donate?" bulletproof vest from canines. And I said, well, I never thought of it, you know, but let me check in on it and I'll give you a call back. And then I found out how much they cost, which is $1,000 at the time. And I called them back and I said, you know what? I think we can do this. I have all the information. I'm going to email it to you and fill out the forms and send them back to me and we'll get a, a vest ordered, and which we did. And Chief Tom Foster, who was the police chief up there, I've appreciated the the vest and everything else that we did the donation for.
0: And you do all this through your own private fundraising?
7: Yes, we do everything you know through Facebook, through Twitter. We do certain fundraisers at events. We'll we'll be invited to restaurants. We'll be invited to a fair or a police station, or we'll call. We'll actually call a corporation and say, "Hey, we need something," or we'll get stuff in kind. Uh, the Bellamy Brothers have been very good in sending us guitars autographed so we can do raffles on them and, and raise money that way. JetBlue has donated uh, plane tickets for us. Walt Disney World has donated Hopper Park passes for us. Uh, Universal Studios just came on board, said they're going to donate a bunch of tickets for us. So it, it, it does help out when we get them and then we do a raffle on
0: those are all great, and you can actually go on your website and buy things like the patches and challenge coins, uh, correct?
7: That is correct, because we also support a little girl who's 14 years old now who, after the uh, two officers in Brooklyn, New York, were killed in December 20th of 2014, which is Detective Ramos and Lou of the 8-4, she went to Brooklyn and handwritten thank-you cards to every police officer that was at the eight four, and at the four one, and at the seven seven, thanking them for their service because she really cares about them, and her motto is they matter to her, to me, which is they matter to her. And now we flew her in to Florida to speak at our one of the uh, bike rides that we had this year from North Miami to Orlando, and she got to speak at Titusville and Orlando at the I. And everybody just was so impressed with her, uh, her speaking abilities and what's, how she really cares about law enforcement. She goes to schools and tells the children to respect law enforcement. So we sell the challenge coins so we can continue helping her travel to different states. She has done 23 states so far and three
0: countries. How old is this young girl now? Fourteen years old. That's amazing. She, when she was ten. That's that's an incredible accomplishment for you know an adult that dedicates their whole life to this. This is a fourteen year old who goes to school and still finds a way to get all this done.
7: That's right. And if you go to our website and see the challenge coin up there and click it, you'll see her story on the page that will drop down to you. And if you want to buy a coin, you can, and we'll send them out to you. And that just helps us fund her travels.
0: And your website is bluealert.us. That's the color blue. Alert.us. One of the things that I've learned doing the the Law Enforcement Aid radio show is there are so many law enforcement officer and first responder families that are in need of assistance across the United States that it becomes overwhelming. A guy like you doing what you do and being able to accomplish what you accomplish is unbelievable. But it doesn't it can't be done without the help of a lot of people. Are there ways that people can help you help others? What would you ask them to do?
7: Well, the, the thing is that they go to our website and you know we need donations, and if they look on the left-hand side, they'll see a badge, and we have a place in there where your donation goes. So you can actually say, do you want it to go to the Bulletproof Equipment Fund for canines? Do you want to help us rebuild memorial plots for law enforcement officers? Or you want it just to go to general family fallen general I mean general fund for fallen families. So you have your choice of where you want the dollars to go to, and we do all three of them. Uh, we help do the big Tampa uh, rebuild at the Tampa's Troopers Memorial. That's on our page there. You can see the first story when the little boy found out his mom's name wasn't on it because it was falling apart. It cracked. There's a new story there from NBC that did it when I was there, and then. Close to two years later, we finally got the funding, we got the help, and we had it rebuilt, and then Fox News did the um, the reveal. And we made that little boy happy that uh, his mom's name is now on the memorial in Tampa.
0: I could talk about that, but to be honest with you, I get emotional too quickly. So thank you for what you did there. Earlier, you mentioned a lot of corporations that are helping out that do different things to help you accomplish your goals. Is that something that you know a business, a corporation, large, small, medium, in between, uh, say in Illinois, could do?
7: Yes, we 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 can always use large corporations. I mean, the corporations we have to you know that we have now. I mean, we only get a certain amount, and and to be truthful, the last couple of years they kind of go down each. Each year, uh-huh. I guess, because of the budgets and everything else, so we need more because they're not coming in as strong as they first did. Um, they're coming in slower. A couple of corporations have, you know, gone under, or they just don't donate any more to anyone. And
0: um, and the need's still there. It's
7: always been an issue. I mean, oh, the needs, always, the needs, always there. The need is always there. For we had a, a canine killed in Jacksonville. That if he had a vet, Fang was his um, name. It, I it possibly, it possibly could. We're not, you know, we're not. I'm not an expert. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly where the wound was. Possibly could have saved that dog's
0: life. Tom Berry from Blue Alert National Blue Alert Foundation and uh, the website bluealert.us. Thanks so much for being on the show. We have to have you back again in the future. I appreciate the time, Jay. I really do. If you want to be a guest on the show, or you know someone who'd be a great guest, but you know, doesn't want to say, uh, I don't want to seek attention myself, we'd love to hear from and we'd accommodate them from anywhere, it doesn't matter where they are. Yeah. So just contact us. The easiest way is to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the contact us tab. Send an email to me, jay at lawenforcementtoday.com, or robert at lawenforcementtoday.com. You can also send uh, message via Facebook. We're all over this thing called the World Wide Web, Instagram, and all that stuff too. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly. We now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. I'd like to thank our guests today for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got more great guests heading your way next week. So until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.